Good morning. Got a little, uh, got a little something here I want to show you. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. Maybe you've seen this before. Some uh, everything okay back there? All right, cool. Maybe you've seen this before. Uh, this is uh, if you go Christmas shopping this year, or if you receive a gift from someone who does not know what to get you. This is likely to be uh, one of the gifts that you might get. This, uh, this is a handy dandy little tool. It's a flashlight, as you can see. High quality, high quality flashlight, you can tell. And, uh, you know, if, that's, uh, if that doesn't help you out of a, of a pinch, it's got a little magnet here, and you can strap this on. Whoop, I just messed it up. Uh, there's the flash. There's the flasher. You can put it up on top of the car, and it just lets the world know that you've got trouble going on. Of course, the flashers on your car would, would complement that. If, uh, if that's not enough and you're in serious danger, brace yourself. You can blow that. Yes, I did that. So I know you're, all of you Navy guys, you're like on deck right now. So, uh, so you know, you've got an amazing tool, but this is not really what these things were designed for. These were things that were just sort of added to it. If you look carefully at it, you'll see that the primary use of this tool is this right here. You familiar with this? Basically, the way this works, let me give you a, a scenario. You're, you're driving home from work. Uh, you're waiting at a light, uh, believe that, in a line uh, at, at an intersection, a uh, busy intersection. Your car catches fire, okay? Car's on fire now. Smoke is filling the cabin of the car. You're nervous. The power windows have now shorted out. They won't open. You could rapidly grab this from underneath your seat, pull it up, and smash the window, and you could crawl out of your car. Of course, you could open the door, but you could, <laughs> you could break the window to escape your car with this, right? Or, or say you're driving along a country road. That can happen around here. A country road, you're going a little too fast. Uh, you can't quite make the corner as you approach the county line. The road bends there, and so you end up boondocking through fences and uh, a field, and you come to rest in some farmer's pond, okay? This is where you find yourself. You're in a farmer's pond, and your car is sinking. Your power windows have now shorted out. You know, your door lock is shorted out. You know, you're, it's, you don't have time to call 911 and wait for someone to come and get you. So you can pull this from underneath your seat, and I didn't even show you this little feature right here. You can cut your seatbelt free, cut yourself free from the seatbelt, and you can smash the window, and you can swim to safety. That's, uh, that's what you do with this thing, right? Now, and can we be honest about this for just a moment, since it's just us? You know why these things sell every year, right? I mean, you know why they sell. It's because you don't know what else to get somebody. <laughs> that's one reason. Second reason, it's cheap. It's cheap. Look at the flashlight, for heaven's sake. It's pathetic. It is a pathetic flashlight. So, so you don't buy for those. Here's the, here's the third reason, and in my estimation, the primary driving reason why this sells. We all have a natural fear of being trapped, confined, imprisoned, closed in, and this holds out feeble though it may be, the promise of escape. And so you put all this other little stuff on it, but what really sells it is, what gives it legitimacy is the fact that you could escape a bad situation. Right? I mean, this is what's going on here. We've been learning the last several weeks uh, from the life of a gentleman named Joseph. If you've uh, 
read your Bible, you're familiar with him. He is the, uh, uh, the son of Jacob. He's the grandson of Abraham. He is the namesake of Jesus' earthly father, Joseph. And I want you to think with me just about his life and what we've already covered the last couple of weeks. Imagine how Joseph felt when his brothers betrayed him, threw him into a dry well. I mean, and when I say well, I was thinking about this this past week. Some of you are not maybe old enough to know what a well is. And so I, I, just forgive me if, if this seems pedantic, but you know what a well is, right? I mean, basically, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, in the ground, you can store water, a cistern. You can, you can, can keep water there, and they have a pump that you can do this. Uh, I had one in my grandmother's house years ago, and so, I, so it's kind of like second nature to me. But I, just, I know some of us have grown up in the city, we just haven't seen anything like that. So, so they removed the cover from the well. They didn't have any water in it, so they threw Joseph into the well for safekeeping until they decided to kill him or do whatever they were going to do with him. So that was a bad scenario. The Christmas gift, worthless, <laughs> worthless to Joseph and the well, right? And so, uh, so this is a bad deal. Then things go from bad to worse with Joseph. His brothers decide to sell him to some merchants heading to Egypt as a slave. Always a bad, always a bad plan. This is not a good thing. He's trapped by circumstances now that are beyond his control... Further yet, he finds himself in Egypt in a social system that put a price on people. And he's in a bad way. But if you know the story, Joseph stayed positive, he worked hard, and in time, if you remember what we covered already, he became the chief steward of the estate of Potiphar. And Potiphar was not just your average Egyptian, he was the captain of Pharaoh's personal guard. I mean, this guy had influence. He had personal access to Pharaoh. He could come and go and throughout the land, you know, freely. I mean, he had power and influence and authority, and all was well for Joseph until one day Potiphar's wife, his master's wife, falsely accused Joseph of sexual harassment and rape. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis 39. Genesis chapter 39. That's where we're going to pick up with the story. And we're going to reflect together on what happened. If you have your Bible there from the shelf in front of you, it's on page 26. Uh, I see on the screen there, but page 26, if you're unsure where Genesis 39 is. We're going to look together at this and learn some more keys to becoming an overcomer from Joseph in uh, this message and this passage. All right? You there, Genesis 39? Bible has this to say. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. And so he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Joseph goes from being a slave now to being a prisoner. Do you get, do you get the downward trajectory of what's going on? He was just in a cistern in a well. Then he becomes a slave, and now he's a prisoner. Do you get the relative freedoms that he's losing here? I mean, before as a slave, at least he had some flexibility and freedom. He could come and go within the parameters of his master's will. Now he's a prisoner. He can't do anything of his... He's lost all freedoms, all rights, all opportunity, so we would think. The Bible picks up in verse 21 and says, But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love... And the Lord made Joseph a favorite 
with the prison warden. Who made Joseph a favorite? The Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Don't be surprised if there are times when God makes you the favorite of somebody. It's not because you are all that. It's for a reason. It's to bless others. I won't get off on that too long, but I just want to make that point. Verse 22, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. The exact same thing that happened when Potiphar put him in charge happens when the the prison warden puts him in charge, who presumably reported to Potiphar. The Bible goes on in chapter 40 and following to give this uh, description of this event that took place during this window of time while Joseph was in the prison. Verse 1 of chapter 40 says, Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Let me just say, this is a bad thing. Anytime you offend the Pharaoh, bad to be you. It is bad. So the Bible goes on and says, Pharaoh became angry with these two officials. And he put them in the prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain guard. Who was the captain of the guard? Potiphar. Okay. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And they replied, We both had dreams last night. No one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. After all, remember, Joseph had a little experience with dreams. Remember that? Chapter 37, he'd had a couple of those and got himself in a little trouble by talking about them too much with the family. But he says, interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup, and then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days, and within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. Because you remember the cupbearer basically holds the cup for the king. Often they would take a drink of the cup if the, before the king if he had questioned that this was poison or something of that sort. And Joseph goes on in verse 14 and says, Please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh... So he might let me out of this place where I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, there's always a guy like this. Somebody else goes first, has the courage, and, you know, and they say it goes well for them. So, oh, I'm going to do that now. So, so he says, uh, he sees it goes well, and he says, uh, says to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. And I just say, I, I, I don't know that I have the gift of interpreting dreams, but I'm just looking at that dream and I'm thinking, that ain't as good as the last one. Okay? I don't think so. Verse 18. 
This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole, and then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. (laughs) Not a pretty scene. Not a pretty scene. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later. And he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff, and he summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Now, we're going to pause right there, and we'll pick up on the story uh, more next week because there's a lot more to, uh, to come if you are familiar with it, but, and it's amazing stuff. I would encourage you, if you haven't read the rest of the chapter 40 and 41 all the way to the end of the, the book of Genesis, I encourage you to do that. But we're going to focus this morning just on the portion of Scripture that we've just read together. And some of you may be thinking, what on earth can I learn about being an overcomer from these verses. I want you to think about this with me for the next few moments. Life is filled with prison experiences. I mean, life is filled with prison experiences. And your and my well-being emotionally, spiritually, relationally, a whole lot of... has a lot to do with how we manage those experiences, what we do with them. Every one of us feels trapped by some set of circumstances sometime during life. A terminal diagnosis, a debilitating relationship that you can't escape. Oh, you want to, but you cannot escape it because of the nature of that relationship or who it is. Sometimes we're trapped by the enduring consequences of a foolish choice. Maybe it's a choice we made. Maybe it's a choice that someone else made that's now affecting our lives and we can't do anything about it. It happened. Oh, yes, it's past, but it has present ramifications, enduring consequences. I was thinking about it. You know, we have this streaming going on. We could have somebody today streaming this message literally from prison. Some prison experiences are literally prison. Not a fun place to be. And life's prisons are lonely, immobilizing, disorienting places. And no matter how confining or paralyzing they may be, there are things that you and I can do, even when we find ourselves in those experiences, that can help us. There are four action steps that you and I can take, just as Joseph did while he was in prison. Action steps that are keys to becoming an overcomer. We see them here in the life of Joseph. And this morning, I just want to highlight them quickly. I'm going to apply them quickly to us. And when you find yourself in one of these prisons of life, you and I need to remember these things, and we need to like try to just put them into practice. Now, here's the thing. They're not hard to remember. It's just hard to remember in the moment. And so I encourage you, write them down as I go here, okay? Maybe you got a pen. Maybe you got find a blank piece in your bulletin somewhere, space in your bulletin. Write these things down. Uh, so that you just ingrain them in your thinking a little more right now 
And I hope you'll remember this passage in Genesis 49 and Joseph's experience 39 and 40. Uh, I said 40. Genesis 39 and 40. Just kind of remember those verses and you can refer back to that place too if you find yourself in one of these situations. But let me walk you through the four action steps that are keys to becoming an overcomer that show up here in the life of Joseph that we can follow in his footsteps and put into practice. The first First action step is when you and I find ourselves in one of life's prisons, we need to first of all remember God is there. We need to remember this. God is there. You see, when bad things happen to good people, our natural tendency is to think, where's God? He's absent. That's where we go mentally. He's clearly checked out of my life. Where is he right now when I need him? Well, the truth is God is there. And why that's painful for us sometimes is because then we've got to deal with the question, well, then why is God allowing me to have this? We don't want to think about that. We just prefer to say God's absent. But the truth is, God is there. Look at Joseph's experience. It's so clear in the text. In chapter 39, verse 21 and following, the Bible says, But the Lord was with Joseph where? In the prison. He was with him in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison war. Now, what we want is we want, okay, well, because God is there, I don't want to go into the prison. Is this not us? I don't want to go to the prison. So God doesn't love me. Wrong. God is present. He is with you. If we had time, we'd read Isaiah. We'd read a lot of other passages where he'll go through the floods, he'll go through the fires, he'll go through things with us. He is present with us, and he was with Joseph, and he made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. And before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. But I can assure you, this was not after some difficulty. The end of verse 23 says, The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed, except he didn't get him out of the prison yet. Makes me think of Daniel's friends. You remember the story in Daniel 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and they won't worship the king and uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and what happens to them? They're thrown into a fiery furnace. Literally, the three guys throwing them into the furnace, they die... But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fall into the furnace. And when the king looks into the furnace, he does not see three people. Who does he see? Four. Who's with him in the fire? If you read Daniel 3, God is with him in the fire. Over and over again throughout the pages of Scripture and the life experiences of his people, God says to us, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so the passage in Hebrews 13 goes on and concludes by saying, So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Here's the thing. Overcomers remember that God is present. Even when things aren't going their way. God's presence is not proven by everything going your way. God's presence is proved by him being present with you and helping you through whatever it is that you're going through, showing you his faithful love. Some of us miss out on his faithful love because we spend all our time arguing with him about whether or not it's right for me to be in prison. 
You're there. Accept it. <laughs> Where am I through my thing? This isn't going to solve it for you. This isn't going to solve it. Just accept it. The sooner you do that, the sooner you'll find the peace that comes with God's presence and you'll start noticing Him granting you favor with people and circumstances and His start seeing silver linings that you didn't see before. You and I find ourselves in one of life's prisons. There's a second action step that we need to take, and that is that we need to focus. And here's the idea behind focus. We need to focus on this, doing the right thing regardless. When we find ourselves in some prison experience, we need to focus on doing the right thing regardless. We don't need to focus on the next shoe that's going to drop. We need to focus on doing the right thing regardless. Now, what do I mean by that? Joseph was tempted to do the wrong thing repeatedly. When he was betrayed by his brothers, he was tempted to do the wrong thing. When he was pursued by Potiphar's wife, you can bet he was tempted to do the wrong thing. When he was falsely accused, he was tempted to do the wrong thing. When he was unjustly imprisoned, he was tempted to do the wrong thing. When he was forgotten by Pharaoh's cupbearer, he was tempted to do the wrong thing. I could go on with his story. When his brothers show up in Egypt, he was tempted to do the wrong thing. On and on we could go with Joseph's life. But what does he focus on instead? Doing the right thing regardless, hear this, regardless of how he felt in the moment. More important to do the right thing. What you objectively, from a values, from a conviction standpoint, doing the right thing, whether you feel like it or not. That sets apart overcomers from those who are swallowed by the prisons of life. Joseph focused on doing the right thing, regardless of his feelings, regardless of preferences, regardless of consequences, regardless of who agreed with him or disagreed with him, regardless of whether or not it meant more suffering or success, regardless of whether anyone knew that he was doing the right thing or just God himself. Overcomers focus and do the right thing regardless, regardless. Those who don't truly do become imprisoned by whatever they're trapped by. Joseph could have been trapped in his lust. He could have been trapped by his anger, his rage, his desire to seek revenge. He could have been trapped by a lot of other things, and you and I can be too. But overcomers focus on doing the right thing regardless. So third action step that we need to take when life circumstances trap us, and that is that we need to capitalize. What do I mean by that? We need to take advantage of opportunities. Because every circumstance, every situation has both its drawbacks, but also its opportunities. A Joel Osteen quote comes to mind. Every setback is a setup for a comeback. You can write it down. It's Joel Osteen. Take it to the bank. But I, but I think it's true. 
What's he saying there? Every setback is a setup for a comeback. It's kind of sing-songy, kind of quirky, but he's got a point. He's just saying there's opportunity there. There's opportunity everywhere. Joseph's opportunity was the chief cupbearer and chief baker's dreams. Now, if Joseph had been spending all of his time focusing on his woes, oh, how sorry I am. What a sorry life I've been in. A, you know, just, and he just rehearses it all from the, you know, the well. And look at my, my brothers. They hate me. And my father doesn't even know if I'm alive. And I you camp there. And then I, you know, look at all the hard work I devoted to, to helping Pharaoh. And this is what I get. And you know, he could have gone down this whole path that every one of us is tempted to go down when we find ourselves in some prison of life. But he didn't do that. And so one day, the chief cupbearer and chief baker talk about a dream. He knows something about dreams. And he has enough others' orientedness to his mind that he notices he says, you know, interpreting dreams is God's business. Tell me about them. There's an opportunity. Here's my point. Overcomers see opportunities and not just their own problems. As long as we're just staring at our problems, we'll miss opportunities. We'll not only miss God's presence among us, We'll not only start moving according to our feelings instead of our convictions and, and what's right, doing the right thing regardless, but, but, but we'll miss opportunities and overcomers. Overcomers are the kind who see opportunities, not just their own problems. They capitalize on those opportunities. They take advantage of them. I just want to ask you, I don't know if you're in the middle of a prison experience, but are there opportunities right in front of you at the moment that you just haven't, so as I've been going through this, you, it's gotten your eyes off of you enough for you to, to say, well, well, maybe that's an opportunity, or that's an opportunity. God is saying, take advantage of those opportunities. You never know where they'll lead. Maybe they'll lead right out of the pit that you're in. The fourth action step that we need to take when we find ourselves in one of life's prisons is this. We need to trust. That's the fourth one. We need to trust. In particular, we need to trust God. And why do I say that? People may forget you, but God never will. You've got to trust God in this. People may forget you, but... God never will. Maybe you can identify with Joseph's experience. Because here in the Bible, what we find in chapter 40, verse 14 and so forth, Joseph says to Potiphar's cupbearer, Please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh. It's like put in a good word. You know, put in a good word for me to Pharaoh. So he might let me out of this place where I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews. And now I'm here in prison, but I've done nothing to deserve this. And so he's, he's taking advantage of the opportunity that's in front of him. And that's an appropriate thing for him to do. But one of the sadder verses in Scripture is verse 23 when 
Pharaoh's cupbearer finds his way back to the king, back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, the passage says, however, forgot all about Joseph. It even piles on and says, never giving him an an another thought. I, mean, I sometimes wonder about these kind of passages. I wonder if Joseph is in heaven and eventually read you know, what was written here in Genesis and thought to himself, that, that was even worse than I thought. Hopefully, at least he thought of me. But he didn't. He just literally gave him no more thought because all was well for him now. So he wasn't thinking about Joseph. It's what we call the dreaded trust test. And overcomers overcome because they trust that God will never forgive them no matter how bad things get, no matter what goes wrong. Even if others forget them, they, they know deep down in their spirit God has not overlooked them. He's present. He's for them. Next week we'll see that God didn't forget Joseph and that's... Uh, some amazing stories as you just continue to read the account of his life. But for today, I just want to ask you just a couple of questions just to give you the chance to reflect through this and apply it to your life. Will you remember that God is with you whatever situation that you're in the middle of? Maybe today you need to remember that. God is present. The fact that something bad has happened does not mean he's absent. It means that he's with you. And if you can come to peace with the fact that he's allowed it to happen, you set the stage for him to begin to show you favor and to bless you, to help things go in a direction that would lead to something better for you. It's not a time to get angry with him. You will probably not always figure out this side of heaven why certain things have happened. Life's a screwed up thing. The world is a screwed up place. I am a screwed up person. And might I add, you are too. <laughs> right, life is full of prison experiences. As long as we waste our time trying to figure out all the whys and wherefores, and that's not that we can't learn certain things, but there's a difference between trying to learn from them and being trapped by them. Will you remember God is with you? And will you instead focus on doing the right thing, regardless of how you feel, regardless of how circumstances should have gone differently, regardless of a whole lot of what other people are telling you? I mean, we... You decide what the right thing is on the basis of what God says is the right thing rather than redefining the right thing to what the culture says is the right thing. And so do, do the right thing regardless so God can multiply his presence, his blessing in your life, even in the midst of what's going on. You capitalize and take advantage of opportunities that you see. As you camp in that place where you're at peace with the fact that this is where I am, God will help you to see opportunities. Take advantage of them. 
Who knows where God might lead in that? And even if those opportunities come to dead ends, as Joseph's did, at least it was a dead end at that moment. We read next week, uh, the cupbearer, oh yeah, has an oh yeah moment down the road. You don't need to burn the bridge with the cupbearers in your life. You just need to be patient and wait and trust that even though people may forget you, God never will. In many respects, the things that Joseph learns here are the stuff that really you know, make this worthless. I mean, it's, it's the kind of stuff that can help you break out of ruts in life. God can help you with that. One of the great evidences that God's not forgotten any of us is that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sins. He, he didn't have to do that. I want you to listen carefully to what uh, Jesus said he came to earth to do. It's a rich passage in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and following. Jesus beginning his ministry and says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I mean, for all of those who've been thinking that God's mad at them, saying, I'm coming to prove to you that God wants peace with you. He wants to bless you. And he purchased our freedom from sin when he shed his blood on the cross. That's what that is all about. In just a few moments, the ushers are going to pass a couple of trays. There will be a a tray of bread and a tray of juice. And as they're passed, uh, eat a piece of the bread, pass the tray on, drink a cup of the juice and pass it on. They're symbols of the price of your forgiveness, the price of your freedom. It was his life taken that new life could be received by you. As you take those emblems, that's what that's all about. His body nailed to a cross, his blood shed on the cross, and freedom and forgiveness that become yours when you turn to him and humbly acknowledge that he's God and you're not. You invite him to cleanse you, to be with you, to help you make it through life into eternity with him. Maybe some of you this morning need to ask him for that. You just need to say, Lord Jesus, will you fill me? Will you cleanse me? Will you make me yours? And you can do that. I'd encourage you to do it even as we take the emblems this morning. Just say, Lord, I eat this bread. I thank you for your sacrifice. And I drink this juice. I thank you for your shed blood for me. Make me yours. I want to be yours. He hears that prayer. All of us, I think, need to spend some moments just thanking him. Because he didn't have to do it. But he did it because he cares about you. Let's pray together, then our ushers will serve us the Lord's Supper. And we'll have a song in just a few moments after communion, all right? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your mercy, your grace. Plenty of times in our lives when we wish that uh, we didn't have to endure some of the circumstances that we do. That's true for every one of us at some point in life. We thank you that you go through those circumstances with us and that you help us 
by cleansing us from the consequences of our sin. We'll turn to you. And this morning, we just turn to you. Ask for your cleansing, for your filling, your help, your guidance, your strength, your wisdom, your perception of reality, your your hope and optimism be ours. May your help be ours. Would you grant us favor with the people around us? Would you? Would you help us to escape our many shortcomings? Thank you that you did that on the cross. Thank you that we have the hope of that in eternity. We're going to ask for it today. Today's situation help us. As we take these emblems, Lord, we remember all that you've done and the promise that it represents of all that you will do in the days ahead. We celebrate your mercy and your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. That's beautiful. I just kept thinking of that uh, passage in Isaiah. As I was listening to the lyrics and just thinking about it, it came to my mind as I was speaking. Isaiah 43 says, Oh, my people, the one who formed you says, listen carefully, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He goes on just describing things, but it's God is present. Rest in that. Let's stand together, close in prayer. Glad you made it this morning. If you need prayer for something in your life, I'd be happy to gather around down here, some of us, and pray with you about anything. And be ashamed about that or feel awkward of all places you ought to be able to go and have somebody pray for you it ought to be church you think and uh, so we'd be happy to pray for you about anything going on in your life anything you have need of uh, if you're trapped in some life uh, prison experience of life we want to pray for you about that we'd be happy to and, uh, need more of Jesus in your life we'll pray for you about that let's pray don't be dismissed Father thank you for every person here for each one listening in We know that you care about each and every one. Lord Jesus, you sacrificed yourself for us. You don't want to hold back. Help us to not just be of this world, but to overcome the world as you have. By the power of your spirit, with your presence, with the hope that you can give us. Help us to be the overcomers is our legacy and we were made to be and we'll rejoice in you would you go with us now as we leave this place may we reflect on these things may we walk in the way of your word it's in jesus name we pray together amen bless you all